But first, we're going to talk to an author. And it's all about this. While COVID-19 has changed how often we think about our own cleanliness, for example, washing our hands much more often, author and physician James Hamblin says it's time we reconsider what clean means for our skin and for our culture. Hamlin spoke to dermatologists, environmentalists, religious leaders, and even visited Amish communities to explore the idea of cleanliness and how it's drastically changed our skin, our health, and ultimately our environment. Hamlin's new book on this topic is called Clean, The New Science of Skin. He tells Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire that although a pandemic seemed like a strange time to reconsider cleanliness, it might also be the perfect time. Let's go ahead and check out this interview. Yes, it is a weird time uh, because obviously hand washing is more important now than, well, it's extremely important. It's always very important. It's especially important right now. I think people are paying a lot of attention to it, uh, which is good. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people are working from from home, you know, not following the exact same showering and uh, cleanliness regimens as, as usual. So it's also an interesting time to for people to experiment with uh, minimalist trends in some areas if, if they were considering that. And your recommendation is is maybe that people don't, especially Americans, it seems to be a very, uh, a very American trend, the showering once or twice a day, no matter what. And so in your research for, for this book, you've come across a lot of evidence that this is just not, not the way going forward. We're causing a lot of trouble for ourselves uh, biologically because of this. There's a case to be made for that. You know, I just kind of wanted to understand how it came to be this way, because obviously this wasn't even possible until um, about 100 years ago to even conceive of that much um, cleanliness before we had running water, before we had the ability to mass produce soap. In many parts of the world, it's still not. And yet in much of the U.S. and in some other countries, it's considered, you know, uh, really necessary, uh, unhealthy, unhygienic, uh, sometimes amoral. Uh, to to not do this. So uh, deconstructing that, you know, you see that there's really just a lot of marketing behind um, the beliefs of what we've come to think are necessary. And I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not trying to write a prescription for anyone because it's a very personal habit. It's something that carries a lot of cultural significance and social importance. So all that I wanted to do is say that for people who do uh, want to experiment with doing less, that there is no biological reason not to. And when we talk about maybe showering a little bit less, what you get into in the book is not how often we shower, but how we perceive as a society what cleanliness is. If you are somebody who, who does the twice daily shower, um, one of the things that could really affect your your skin's health is is what kind of products you use. Can we go into that? Because there's something called parabens that have been in our, our hygiene products for many decades now and have completely changed the biological landscape of our skin individually. It's hard to know the exact effects because none of us have lived without parabens in the world. They're, they're everywhere. They're preservatives. They're in all kinds of products. Um, and in most products, they're a perfectly, there's a perfectly safe, very tiny negligible amount. You know, it's where researchers start to see effects is when you add up all of the different um, shampoos and soaps and detergents and products in our kitchen, products all over that, are, that contain parabens and our lifetime of exposures and 
there are really interesting correlations about their their use. But this, you know, at the same time, they've allowed things to stay shelf stable for longer. They've increased access and affordability of some products. So, so it's a mixed picture. The safest thing I can say is that it, you know they're not something to panic about. But if you're able to avoid them, you can afford that. You have that option in products that you know, it, it's probably worthwhile, but nobody should be panicked that, that they're destroying their own skin. You know, overall, it just adds to the picture of if you don't need to be buying something, if you don't need to be applying something to yourself, um, you know, why not err on the side of uh, minimalism? You know, we're, we're talking about this, <laughs> I don't even know if it's a pun, but microscopic view of what you get into in the book. So take us through some more of those those aspects. How have we gotten to where we are right now as far as how we think about cleanliness? And what are some of the major issues that you discovered as you were writing clean? The idea of cleanliness started as a religious concept, really. This was something that was tied to uh, to rites, to human sacrifices, to um, passages from birth and death and and marriage and um, baptisms. So this was an act of significance um, in in many cultures. The concept of cleanliness before we knew about germ theory, before it had anything to do with hygiene, before we knew that infectious diseases were caused by microbes. You know that only came into our understanding about 150 years ago. Since then, we started to do uh, hygiene practices, which were aimed at eradicating uh, those disease-causing microbes. And those tended to be really specific. You know, we're wanting to make sure that we're not coughing anyone, that we're washing our hands, that we don't have bodily fluids that are going to be exposed, you know, transferred from one person to another. But beyond that, um, the rituals that we did, the practices were associated with sort of signifiers of, of class and wealth and status. Um, but they were not actually associated with preventing disease. So that's all gotten jumbled up in our heads and big corporations have done a great job marketing things to us, making us feel that we, that we need them, that they're vital to our health. Uh, when in fact, you know, there's very little that we really need to be doing in order to avoid spreading disease. Well, I like to think about a lot, a lot of these issues that we come up against, whether it's sociological or political or any of it, it's it's that pendulum swing, right? So the pendulum, I guess I'm, I'm, I would like to ask you, do you feel like this pendulum of how we address cleanliness and health, has it swung so far to one side that we're actively causing harm? In some ways, it's possible. I think it's because we've jumbled and mixed everything up together. I think people are just now starting to do hand washing in the to the degree that it's appropriate to do. You know, we could do more of that. We could do less of washing uh, the, the back of our arm or our hair. You know, that is an elective thing that many people think is necessary, but in fact, is just a, something we do because of, uh, because we enjoy doing it, because we like the way it makes us look. But, um, we, you know, that those are the areas where if, if people want to experiment with doing less, there's an opportunity to save, you know, some plastic bottles and some money and some time and some water and uh, simplify a little bit. As you just mentioned, you talk to religious leaders, you talk to dermatologists, you talk to 
people that study uh, mites even and and bacteria, of course. Uh, you also went to visit a, an Amish community to research this book. Now, tell me how that came into being and what you found out when you went there. Well, I went to uh, one in Pennsylvania and one in Indiana. And Indiana is where I went to medical school. So I, I had some experience with Amish communities. And what is striking, and I didn't discover this, but that Amish communities have low rates of allergies. And that would include... Um, allergic skin conditions like eczema. And so there are various hypotheses about why that would be. And among them is something called the farm effect, where when kids are raised on farms where they're close to nature, kind of hands in the soil, working close to animals, have a lot of different exposures to non-disease-causing microbes as kids, they grow up with more robust immune systems, or at least immune systems that are not likely to be triggered by benign things like pollen. And so it might be difficult to see how that's tied to, to skin care, but it's at least part of this idea that we, in some ways, have swung the pendulum, as you were saying, pretty far toward cleanliness and isolation in a way that some people believe is is actually making our allergies and immune conditions more severe and more common. Well, something that you write in the book, one of your quotes, while we've long thought about our skin as a barrier to separate us from the outside world, growing knowledge about the microbiome suggests that skin is instead a dynamic interface with our environment. I think that is an incredibly revolutionary way to for people to think about how they interact with their environment. Can you go a little bit deeper into that? That's the way I started thinking about it and researching the book really, that was kind of a revelation for me. And it really comes down to the fact that we are all coded in microbes all the time, bacteria, um, viruses, fungi, things that are not causing disease, but are just kind of living on us benignly all the time. And that got me questioning, you know, what are we really trying to do when we're showering, when we're talking about being clean? What do we mean? Because even when you're in the shower, you are never without microbes. So it, it turns out that what we really want to do is focus on not having these overgrowths or infections that are causing disease or exacerbating skin conditions. But that's, you know, the skin is really this interface where it's hard to say that those microbes are part of you, but at the same time, you would not be normal without them. We all have them. So <laughs> they're really part us and, and part other. And in a way, I think that's an elegant way to think about existence in the world. You spoke to a researcher at the microbial genomics section over at the National Institute of Health about something called bacteriotherapy, uh, where they're treating patients with eczema by spraying them with a certain type of bacteria. At least for the last like couple decades or so, most people understand that we have this gut bacteria. We have this whole environment in our guts, in our digestive system, where bacteria thrive and need to thrive to keep our entire body healthy. And so now turning that back again to, to talking about skin as that dynamic interface between the outside world and the inner world. Tell me more about this bacteria therapy and what they're researching there. It's really interesting evidence thinking about how you could add bacteria to a person's skin microbiome and actually make them better. Um, and it's preliminary. It's exciting. It doesn't mean you should run out and buy any bacterial sprays right now. But it should at least really change or challenge our ideas about what are the goals of our regimens and our, our treatments. That 
we should be able to help people feel and look better, not just by getting rid of microbes, uh, by trying to sterilize the skin or giving antibiotics, as is often done, but by trying to shift uh, populations toward certain types of microbes and, and away from others, which is to say, instead of just thinking of something as microbes are good or bad, or you either have them or you don't, trying to think more strategically about how you have more of some and fewer of others. And again, we're talking to Dr. James Hamblin, the author of the new book, Clean, the New Science of Skin. Uh, James, so I bet you're pretty sick of being asked this particular question, but I want to get into it because, you know, not only did you research and write this book, you are living experience of somebody who has stepped a little bit away from from the daily showering habit. Can you talk about why you did that and what has occurred in your life, what you've noticed about your own body since then? Uh, stepped away a little bit is putting it very politely. Thank you. Um, I have, over the course of, of researching and writing this book in the last five years, uh, gone to pretty extreme lengths in terms of experimenting with doing less, um, quitting using products of all of all sorts, body soaps, shampoo, uh, deodorants. Um, this, I, I should say, I never stopped washing my hands. I'm, I'm, I'm very vigilant about that. I brush my teeth. But other than that, you know, it's a long process of sort of doing slightly less or spending a little less time or using a little bit less aggressive um, products. And over time, your body pretty much gets gets used to it. Um, and it also turns out that I'm I'm far from the only person to to have done this. As soon as I started talking about it, there are a lot of people who have, who have quit shampoo. A lot of people who have quit deodorant. A lot of people who don't wash much of their body apart from, say, their armpits and their groin. Um, a lot of people who don't shower, but maybe once a week or so. So there, there really is a lot of diversity out there. The advice here is to wash your hands, wear your mask, do all the things to keep yourself and other people healthy. But what right now is your takeaway or what would you like people to take away from the book? I think the most important takeaway is that many of us, if not all of us, could do more to think about the appearance and functioning of our skin as a product uh, from the inside out. And that our skin is a wonderful barometer, gauge, indicator of our overall health status. We all know this, but when, when we're stressed out, when we're not sleeping, um, when we're not eating well, uh, you know, your skin just doesn't look and, and feel as good as other times. You, might, you probably don't smell as good either. Um, and our culture is used to treating that with topical products. Um, it's not always possible to take a more holistic approach and think about how do, we, how do I avoid that stress, how do I get more sleep. But ideally, if we could, that would be, that would be the healthier first-line approach to any of, those, any of those issues. Dr. James Hamblin is the author of the new book, Clean. The New Science of Skin, which argues that it's time to reconsider what clean means for our bodies, our health, and our environment. He spoke with WDET's Amanda LeClaire. These kind of thoughtful, lengthy conversations is really what you support when you support WDET. 
and nowhere else but public radio makes space for this kind of discussion that really is about a shift in culture. Make your gift to support Culture Shift right now at WDET.org or by calling 800-959-9338.